0: Two, ready, one. Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions you get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA.
1: I'm feeling pretty mellow.
0: Okay, that sounds like euphemism for something. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I'm excited. I'm ready to rock and roll. Whoa. That's even more worrisome. Joining us all the way from Mercury, to really? one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Fellas,
2: I'm going to get right down to it. We have a cinematic emergency. Ooh, I like uh, that. I feel
0: like Lee is just not into welcoming the people. <laughs> like we had a couple episodes recently where Lee says, yeah, 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 you downloaded it, whatever. I got <laughs> things that need to be spoken on. And while I appreciate the enthusiasm, just, you know, seems a little rushed.
1: Yeah, we care. just saying it's an emergency. If, if we I care, care about anything on this podcast, it's manners. There's no, no question in, about in that. In order
0: to break in that protocol, Lee must have something pretty important. Okay. You've piqued
2: our curiosity, Mr. Younger. Don't hold out on us now. Look, here's the thing. You introduced me. My voice is, is responding to the welcome and the introduction anyway, so I'm just cutting through, just go straight to the emergency. Here's the problem. Uh, this morning we're at, uh, we're at the, you know, the triple C we're having the high school, uh, community group, hanging out with the folks and we're just kind of talking and we're talking about movies, movies that people want to see and everything. Of course, we're talking about, you know, people want to go see the Martian We're you know, that's, that's the movie that I want to go see right now. Haven't been able to do it yet. We're talking about one of the guys in the room is suggesting that everybody stop immediately what they're doing because nobody in the room had ever seen uh, Robin hood men in tights.
0: Wow, okay. Okay. Which I mean, what are we teaching in schools? Exactly right. I thought this was America.
2: Exactly. So there was a there was a big suggestion that someone, you know, that 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 the children go see Robin Hood Men and Tights immediately. And then one of the kids in the community group informed me that the cinematic powers that be have decided that what the world really needs is the sequel to God's Not Dead.
0: No way.
2: <laughs> it's happening. Now, oh man. Lee, are you
0: referring to God's Not Dead starring TV's Kevin Sorbo? Because <laughs> that's the only title by which I know it.
2: Yeah, this one before before I lay out to you what the actual title of the sequel is, why don't you guys take a couple swings at what you think the title maybe is or maybe should be?
1: Mm. Maybe if you're, uh, if
2: you're gonna sequel God's Not Dead. God's even less dead.
3: <laughs> well, we could we could uh, go classic, say God's not dead forever. That right, would be one. Right, right, um,
0: right, right. Well, all the rage now is to, you know, make it so like a too fast, too furious style where the letter of sure, the yeah. numeric of the but I'm trying to think of a way to do that. I mean Maybe you could turn. God's not the, too dead. Yeah, yeah sure, like sure. That. Even just one of the letters, like, you know, God's not D-E-2-D, and just assume that people can figure it out from the context. Clues. Sure, sure. But
2: if you're saying God's not too dead, like Glenn's saying with the two, then it's it's also kind of like he's not too dead, like he's not very dead. Right? Well, that it makes also makes think it a Princess
0: Bride sequel in its own exactly. Memory.
2: That's It takes me to Billy Crystal. Right, He's only mostly dead.
0: <laughs> Is it called and I uh I have referenced this, God's Not Dead made sixty one million dollars, so we made a sequel. Dude,
3: no way.
0: Domestic yeah. box office sixty million seven hundred fifty five thousand seven hundred oh, and thirty two dollars. <laughs> oh Christian and foreign box office one point eight million <laughs> oh, for Christians. a total of 62.6 we, we need million to have a dollars.
1: conversation, Christian. That it's comes time. to
0: us courtesy of boxofficemojo.com.
1: I call for a podcast intervention. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's time.
3: It's time. This should embarrass you. Yeah. Well, this is just silly.
0: You say that and you're right. But we, ha- we now have a sequel. That's the world we live in, reboots and sequels. So right. The thing about people decry it, but it's a very sound business practice in a lot of ways. You say, you, you why don't you make an original superhero movie? Well, people haven't heard of your superhero. Right. right. They've heard of Iron Man. Right. right. So if you make Iron Man 3, you'll say, oh, I like Iron Man.
3: Sure, I'll, I'd like more of that, please. I will,
0: I will go see that. That's that's right. marketing made easy. Right. right. But now the real trick is Marvel has done, as you know, some of these people have done, you got to keep delivering. you got to right. have something new to say something right. new. So I assume and Lee you have the information we don't know that God's not dead too is really going to kick it up a notch.
2: Yeah, here's the thing. God's not dead too. He's surely alive.
3: Ooh. Ooh. Oh yeah.
2: Which almost feels like they're trying to preempt Glenn's winning Easter by saying he's risen indeed. Yeah. Before yeah. Glenn can say it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I usually do my best to win Easter by being the first one to tweet, He has risen. Yeah. And my strategy this year was to tweet, He has risen on Christmas morning.
0: Yeah, that was good.
1: (laughs) So. Still technically true. Don't try and get in on that.
0: Well, the the other. uh, Absolutely right. A warning for us all. Mm. The other sequel strategy um that you see a lot in especially in the superhero sequels is we've got to kick up the cast oh yeah you know we had spider-man and there was one villain and that was good but in spider-man 2 we got to have more villains right we have to get more prestigious actors right you know uh you know uh avengers 1 has loki and that's great right but avengers 2 we're going big yeah. We're going to get James Spader, who's a big star, right. to be the right. villain. So I assume... Real, real
1: acting powerhouse. Yeah, you know yeah.
0: that's the sequel's where you call him the British bad guy. Exactly right. So, Lee, I assume that we went for uh, casting-wise. Now, I, I think I mentioned it, and if I didn't, I should have. God's Not Dead starred TV's Kevin Sorbo. TV's Kevin... Yes, the
3: TV's Kevin Sorbo. TV's,
0: and we recently were researching something else and found... The Christian speaking circuits, Kevin Sorbo. That's right, Christian <laughs> Sorbo. Kevin Sorbo has a Christian speaking agent, and you can book him to speak at your church, conference, or other meeting.
1: Is does he have ministry experience that I don't know about? He was Hercules, Glenn.
0: Hercules ministered to me.
1: The, the, he the,
2: he had he had seven tasks.
0: He defeated the he defeated the pagans, Glenn.
2: I
1: see.
0: As I understand that story, but uh, again, because Lee is the one who, because uh, of his interactions with the children, and I assume because if it was me, Lee has probably spent most of the day googling this. Because if you find out there's a God's Not Dead too, but uh, <laughs> Lee, Lee, bring us casting news. Bring us, bring us the new heights they're going to take us to.
2: Okay, so here's what we got going on. Uh, God's Not Dead too. He's surely alive to feature Duck Dynasty's Sadie Robbins. Robertson. Robinson
0: Robinson? Robertson. Robertson. Thank you. Lead lead just did a who's on first by himself. <laughs> <laughs> now I believe that is and I've I watched the Duck Dynasty's first couple of seasons, just kinda uh-huh. of fell off it. Fun show. I believe this is the granddaughter right. of uh Patriarch the Patriarch and the daughter of the main dude who like runs the company. Right. I think also has a uh, like a clothing line. Okay. But not an actress. She's like eighteen, but so we've gone from, we've gone from TV's Kevin Sorbo to a reality show actress, and that's the part that offends me.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Also, I I have I have now been doing a little research on the IMDBs here, uh-huh. and uh, they also have starring in this one uh, Melissa Joan Hart, who some of you may know as Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Some of you who are my demographic may know as Clarissa, who explained not some of it, oh, but explained it all. All. Oh. And she's getting second billing to the Duck Dynasty gal. I don't know about that.
1: Um, and wasn't she in the the Royal Shakespeare Company?
0: Yeah. Yeah. She so, was in a very very progressive kind of. They did The Tempest, uh-huh. but they flipped it. So she was playing the main person and not right. the daughter and Ian McKellen played the daughter. It was a whole thing.
1: Right. So that's, so she's got those that that on her CV. Sure, her turn know.
0: as Iago was
1: Yeah, I mean, that's haunting. A, yeah. Guys
3: unbelievable You're I, not, did
0: i say iago because i can't remember the name of the guy from the tempest yes <laughs> but none of you noticed, so don't judge me Look,
3: incredible news incredible news okay, okay wow this this is an exclusive you won't get this anywhere else okay. we've been able it hasn't even been released yet we've been able to acquire the first official trailer for god's not dead 2 he is surely alive wow oh, okay wow. Um, our lawyers have advised us that we aren't cleared to share this with you, Okay, um, that we need to keep this close to the vest, but we just, we, we love our fans.
1: And okay, we're, no we're no. ready to go to jail for them.
3: We, <laughs> we want to get you the scoop. We want to get you the latest and greatest. Yep. Um, and so we're just going to air the audio right now. We'd, we'd show you the whole thing, but it's an audio only media. Our
0: lawyers are just broken people.
3: Yeah. So you're going to want to strap yourselves in. This is about to get intense. Okay. All right. I'm ready. This summer, one hunter must stand against an unbelieving waterfowl. Do, 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 do. Little Dennis Ducky left home to go to Duck College where a sinful and unbelieving waterfowl, Captain Quackers, leads young, impressionable ducklings into atheistic sin. This summer, only one duck hunter can provide deliverance by shooting Captain Quackers and
1: ending his tyranny. Okay, now, here's where I would like to jump in. Okay. There's only one place. This is as stupid <laughs> as anything we have said on this podcast, and it, it is not far from the actual movie. Not me. Okay, that's where we're at. That's what we've come to, y'all. He forgot the based
2: on true events part, though. I think that's the only thing. Based on true
0: events. Well, at least in that version, that (laughs) legally distinct and covered by laws (laughs) uh, protecting parody version had something happen Mm -hmm. that happens. You know, people go duck hunting. Agree with it. Don't agree with it. Right. I I guess technically without the concept of a higher thought capable of conceiving of a creative being all ducks are by Atheistic? definition atheists sure so right. that might be that this might be uh, some science captain quackers
3: is a bad dude sure there's know. a lot of
0: accuracy there's a lot of uh, ac- real world actually going on absolutely here. right the first god is not dead was about a freshman philosophy student who out debates his professor yeah mm. and that friends is a fantasy <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes
0: captain quackers yeah just defeats now the real movie would be if Captain Quackers is the liberal college professor who <laughs> engages in the debate. Can we get, I guess what I'm pitching is yeah. a shot for shot remake of the first God's Not Dead with <laughs> a duck instead of Captain Sorbo? <laughs> I'll <laughs> go see Captain that Sorbel. movie. Yes. Yeah. Well, it'd be TV's duck. TV's Captain Quackers.
3: Can it be voiced because it does the Aflac duck by Gilbert Godfrey? <laughs>
0: oh, certainly.
3: Because if you make the shot-for-shot Shot remake with the duck and that's the voice, I will. I will see that movie multiple
0: times. Here's I will the buy thing. it on Blu-ray. I don't. I don't know, but there, there's a there's a one very real business practice of these kind of pure flick style Christian movies is a um, you look for people who aren't turning down a lot of work these days. Yeah, right. I think Gilbert Godfrey might fall into that category.
1: Here's what I'm saying. Apparently. These people making these movies, they're riding a gravy train with biscuit wheels. My man. $61 million. Here's what I'm saying. We need to get in on that record. Absolutely. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. We got to get ahead of this thing. Yeah. You know, we're just playing catch up, right? Sure. Here's what I'm saying. God's not dead at all, really for real this time. Right. Three. (laughs) Right. Puppets. Puppets. (laughs) we shoot it using puppets right now sure you know what i'm saying beat them to the punch beat them to the punch they have theirs next week boom there's here's ours we get in on that sweet sweet time about
0: real sci-fi original movie turnaround time on that Mm -hmm. i like
1: it i like it that's
2: good fellas well uh in light of the fact that we're now going to stop the podcast and make the puppet version of the movie i'm going to go ahead and declare a very, very happy cinematic emergency off.
0: <sighs> well, sure we'd like to stop down, but we need puppets. We do. Don't get me wrong, we have puppets. We got some. We need better puppets. It's Definitely. What was that
1: what was that show? Uh the sci fi show that had puppets in it? Farscape, was on it?
3: I don't know, buddy. Oh yes, you, you left do. us behind on science fiction. That's <laughs> gonna make are,
0: no, you feel I did not. a I'm, little weird
1: about yourself.
0: Don't say
1: Glenn, that. I've
3: been too
0: busy watching the
3: latest sports game in order to know
1: what be <laughs> yeah. on the sci-fi channel. I ain't gonna believe that, my man. Yeah, yeah.
0: My local sports team is far superior to your local sports team. Well, we we got to get the good puppets, folks. We owe that to you. And a puppet of Kevin Sorbo does not come cheap. I'll have you know. We've got a unicorn puppet. We do. We've used that. Yes. We've got a uh, Caucasian policeman puppet that has been banned from the puppet bag for the bridge. (laughs) That's correct. That's also true. But we got to get a Kevin Sorbo puppet. And we have to get a freshman in college who will debate his teacher puppet. Right. And that's a lot of smugness to put into a puppet.
3: And we need an evil looking duck puppet to portray Captain Quackers.
1: Obviously.
0: With full military regalia. (laughs) And if you think we're going to go with one that's not. Accurate to the stitch.
1: I mean, you're we, wrong. We need him to be smoking a stogie <laughs> out of one side of his beak. Yes.
0: You're, you're a pitching one. World War II <laughs> ace, Captain Quacker. Exactly yes. right. <laughs> well, in order to do that, folks, we got to have some capital. And what better way to do that than by you supporting us through Bridgebox? Woo! Now, yeah. like I said, we've got good puppets. But before between that and the several rounds of blueprinting and meetings that are going to result in the Captain Quacker's Puppet. Because <laughs> Captain Quacker's Puppet's a two, three year endeavor. We're, so, we're going to get ILM on this. Right, we're right, going right. to we're gonna go to New Zealand, get Weta, you know, we're going to take bids. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now in the meantime, the money you give to Bridgebox will go to, con- to continue to help us hire part-time employees for our ministry, to help us get bus passes to folks, to job interviews and shelters, to help us uh, pay for the stuff we do at our bridge service. So all that inner city ministry for only $8 a month, and not only that, but you get some songs, sermons, Bible studies, and a lot of good stuff for your own walks. So you can sign up for that at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right, we're gonna to jump to our first question here. If you have a question for this, hang out with us all the way to the end, and I will give you some ways to get in touch with us. First question comes into our Tumblr inbox. It is from our good friend and co-leader of the Charleston, South Carolina, say that small group, Miss Lauren Sheerdwan, Imagineering Light on Tumblr. And she asks, Hey guys, I have a question for the podcast. Can you explain what Paul means by flesh and by spirit in Romans 8, 5 to 8? He cre- He seems to create a dichotomy between spirit and flesh, and it comes up a lot in that chapter. Thanks, Lee. Why don't you walk through the the kind of Bible basics on this?
2: Sure. Uh, thanks, Lauren, for the question. We appreciate you guys. And and you're right. It is something that he kind of keeps going on and on about in in this little segment of this chapter. Romans eight is cool. It's kind of like uh, it, it's kind of like a little handbook or manual for like your whole believing life. It's one of those chapters that if you know it, you can kind of help people walk through basically a lot of the stuff that they go through. It's kind of all in there. Um, and, and this little segment that you're talking about in particular, he's trying to draw a line between, exactly as you're saying, he's making a dichotomy between people who know Jesus and people who don't. He, he winds up talking about how uh, you can actually know if you're a child of God because the Spirit of God um, lets you know that you're one of His kids, gives you a, a, a desire inside your own heart to, to call Him Dad. And so he's making this kind of distinction. And he's saying, this is what a life with God is like. Uh, and, and we'll draw a line between that and what a life without God is like, and so that's what the this term flesh. It's the Greek word sarxis. It's a. It, it basically just means like you on your own. It's it's kind of you making it through your life without you know turning to God for any help, without turning to God for His wisdom, without turning to God for His resources. This is you doing things your way, and and. <clears throat> and you see this kind of as you know in the context as you kind of go through this whole chapter and and I can tell you that that when you really start to know and work with lost people you see what Paul's talking about so much i mean so much of what i so much of you know my work is 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 working with folks who don't know the lord and then watching them wake up to a life with god and and come to know him and cross over the 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 dichotomy that you're talking about and it's so you know it's it's so cool to see the difference in people who have who whose entire life is this you know this sarxist thing, just this life without God in it, you know just li- me on my own just doing my thing, and a person who's who's wrestling and trying to walk with god now the one thing that's really interesting is when you flip over to like Galatians five. Paul, the the same dude, the same dude that wrote this is saying, I actually kind of have a tug of war in my own spirit between, you know, a heart that wants to walk with God and a heart that wants all the old stuff from when I didn't have God in my life at all. And, and, And I'm kind of going back and forth and I'm trying to win that battle, you know, on a daily basis, this little tug of war. And the difference there is that somebody who doesn't know the Lord, somebody who is walking in the flesh that they don't have that tug of war there there is no there is no competition there there's this is a life without God's resources, without his wisdom, without uh, affection for him or anything like that. And so when you see people, even if they're screwing up a lot, even if their life looks messy and looks like it's, you know, it's out of bounds and all that kind of stuff in these areas or, you know, some areas over here, whatever, when you see somebody wrestling and tugging and struggling with it, this, that's a sign of life. That's a sign that they do have a life of the Spirit, that they're waging that tug of war, that they're trying to walk with him. And so, uh, you know, and, and, and to be you know, and I think that's all honest people to be you know to be frank and I know that 's a tug of war that that i 'm still wrestling with and and you 're going to see yourself and other folks that are honest wrestle with and while they 're on the green side of the grass, but I think that 's kind of what paul is is lining out in this little segment
0: that's a really great introduction and Glenn, can you pick us up kind of right there and Lee gave us a really good introduction of kind of the as Paul puts in this chapter, people who are ruled by this flesh and how the different people who are ruled by the spirit. But what does that look like? Kind of that uh, that struggle and dichotomy, as Lauren puts it, within believers.
1: Well, I think the the idea is, as Paul is saying, the flesh wants one thing and the spirit wants the other. So the 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 contrast to this the uh, thing of of the flesh is the spirit. That's pneuma is the Greek word there. And it's the same uh, word that we use for stuff that's uh, like if something's pneumatic, it's mm-hmm. driven by air, so it's, uh, it's this idea of something that you can feel but you can't see is sort of the, the core idea behind that. And this is what's problematic for us is because that's, there's part of us that is not physical, and that's weird for us. So we think of our total selves as our physical being. You know, sure. There's part of you that's you uh, that's not physical. Uh, that's your spirit. Uh, the other thing that's confusing for us is we think we're basically good, and then bad things happen to us, and sure. problems, and prob- struggles, and traffic, and, and all those things, and then we do bad things. So you got to eliminate all your hang-ups, and problems, and habits, and struggles, and then you'd go back to being a good person. Uh, this verse is explained to us that's not at all how this works, that we have a part of us that's physical a part of us that is spiritual is its spirit that is, that's not physical and he's saying your physical body wants certain things you know it desires to have sex it desires to eat food it desires to breathe and so on and so forth that's what the the flesh and the flesh also uh can crave uh you know um you know, objects of desire, you know, a a fancy car or whatever those kinds of things are, uh, you know, fancy physical objects. But the spirit desires other things. What's interesting, I think, for us as Christians is we're often not aware of the things that our spirit craves, that it's maybe being starved of, Mm -hmm. and how that affects us because we're not getting it. Our spirit... Our spirit craves contact with God. If you don't get it, you're starving to death in a a way that— and you may be trying to fill that with things of the flesh. Mm -hmm. You're trying to do all kinds of flesh-based things to get that sense of peace and fulfillment that you have from being with God. Uh, We need uh, to have love. We need to receive love from God. We crave that in our spirit. Uh, We need the peace that he uh, provides. We need joy that he provides. These are spiritual things, they're not physical things. So all too often we see ourselves as physical and we try and apply a physical solution to everything. If I'm sad, I do something that makes me happy, but that's just doing a physical thing to bring about an emotional change, but spiritually I'm in the same place. Mm-hmm. If if spiritually, I, if I'm hungry for joy, I need to go to God and receive joy in the spirit and then I have joy. Uh, I can do that whether I have enough money to buy something to make me emotionally happy. If I'm making that, that mm-hmm. no. you know, this is complicated stuff and in in, uh, in a way uh, but the other quick little thing that he's saying here is uh, to recognize you can't be righteous in your flesh. It doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. And the reason why that's important is because we spend a lot of time worrying about how much sin we might have in our flesh. In other words, there's no way for me to um, satisfy my hunger in a righteous way. I can't eat in a really holy way or... Breathe in a really holy way, or but you know. what if
0: my prayer before the meal has many? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah, no. Now I can eat irresponsibly. I mean, eat way too much and uh, mess up my physical health, and that might slow me down from fulfilling my calling, or those kinds of things. Obviously, I can do a lot of uh, uh, sinful stuff and irresponsible stuff with the way I handle my sex life and stuff. But there's no way for me to to make that flesh stuff be. Righteous, it doesn't doesn't work that way. Righteousness is something that flows out of my spiritual life. So I need to nurture that. I need to enhance that, and that means taking the focus off of the flesh, uh, and uh, uh, and and not uh, sort of keeping score of what I'm doing in the flesh, but using a strength and an inspiration and a direction from uh, my spiritual existence to drive my physical body. To fulfill my calling, to do what I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. doing, to be, mm-hmm. be doing righteous things. Yeah. So that's, uh, it's, again, I'm getting a lot in there, but that's that's how that works.
0: I think it was really great that covered a lot. And it, one of the things you did towards the end there was start to transition this into some more practical stuff, which is mm-hmm. really a smart thing to do with Bible verses. You're trying to understand what does this mean? Um, what does this mean for me? A mm-hmm. way to look at that is how do I live that out? And Jed, can you maybe take us a little further down that road?
3: I sure can. Uh, it's, it's a great question. You've heard a lot of great stuff on it. To summarize what you've heard both Lee and Glenn say, and particularly if you're new to the faith, if you're new to the Bible, bottom line is Paul's saying there's two sides of you. There's a part that um, really loves God. If you're a Christian, there's a part Mm -hmm. that really loves God and wants to do what he wants. There's a part that really doesn't love God and really doesn't want to do what he wants. And you want to be careful and intentional about which part of yourself you're feeding and which part of yourself is driving the train. Yeah. Because you got both sides in you. And so you want to be careful. That's, that's kind of the bottom line of, of what this passage is saying. I'm going to read you, and again, particularly if you're new in your faith, I'm going to read you this passage out of a translation called The Message. And this is a really great translation. And when you find stuff in the Bible where you're like, man, I'm not sure I get that, it's a great idea to read that same passage in other translations. And right. The Message is a really good one to do that with. Here's what it says. And this uh, backs up actually says a lot of the same things Glenn was saying just a minute ago. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. So let me pause there for a second. One of the things that we can do with a passage like this is use it as a barometer for saying, how am I doing in my life? Not in a guilt sense, not, mm-hmm. you know, am I, am I keeping the right rules, but just this is describing the kind of life God wants for me. It says God wants me to have a life that is open and spacious and free. It's clear that's the kind of life God wants for me. Mm-hmm. To what extent does my life feel that way? To what extent do I experience my life as open and spacious and free? Not as a guilt thing, not as maybe if I read more Bible, I'd feel more spacious. That's not what I mean. Just, is that true? To what extent is that true for my life? Because it's not going to be 100% true for anybody. But just, you know, to what extent does that feel true? To the extent that it doesn't feel true, what can I change? What can I approach differently? What can I think about differently? And it gives us, I think, a clue in this passage of one of the things we can look at. The clue is... Are there areas where I'm obsessing over myself? Are there areas where my focus is on my moral muscle and measuring that, instead of the things God's simply calling me to do, instead of the adventure that God created me to live out? And therefore, if that's the struggle that I'm having, I, I'm not feeling free and open and spacious. I am just kind of focused on, you know, the checklist of moral obligations I'm supposed mm-hmm. to fill. How do I shift that gear? How do I get out of putting all that focus on me and start putting it onto other people? Start putting onto loving people in Jesus name. If I start getting involved in serving people in Jesus name, does that take me to a place where I do begin to have? more of an open and spacious and free life. And if I do start to have that experience of life that's more open and spacious and free, is that a sign that I'm headed in the right direction? And I think right. that's what this passage is saying, saying, yeah, there you're feeding your spirit. You're feeding right. that part of you that is connected to the Lord, that part of you that wants to please him and serve him. So it's it's great stuff. And the more that we understand it and the more that we then turn it around to say, what does this mean for me in my life? It can really give us some great insights and some great directions on how to live that out in a practical sense.
0: It's a lot of fantastic stuff on this. There's... One of the things we really do like doing on the show, and we're, we're super glad Lauren wrote down on this, is there's a lot of stuff that is in the Bible that just comes off a little weird. Uh, especially if you didn't grow up in church, or if, as Jed's saying, if you, you know, I grew up in a church that used the NIV and this one uses the ESV, and there's a lot of stuff that just, it all, and in, in this way, it kind of sounds like you should be able to suss it out. Yeah. Like, Spirit and flesh, okay, I, I understand that he's playing those off each other, I kind of get it, but as as you learn with these guys and you're hearing a lot of years of both uh, walking with the Lord and having to answer people's questions that drives you to uh, seek a little deeper understanding on your own, uh, there's some stuff that it's just... A little it's so different from our normal thought processes yeah. and anything else. But once you get it in that, you know, you, you talk to somebody, write us in, and once you get that little um just that little bit of context for it, it's it's this Greek word which means this versus Greek word that means this, and here's it in another translation, and boom. This is a powerful thing. This can mm. really change the oh, way you yeah. some stuff. It's really a freeing thing, because one of the things you're hearing all these guys say, and especially what Jeff's reading there in the end, is one of the worst things you can do is just convince yourself that you are, have or ever will get so holy that you just won't want to do bad stuff. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's a fiction that will be crushed yes. pretty hard. And as we've all seen kind of in our uh, respective ministries, the people who are so shocked, it's, I wanted to have sex with this girl and I wasn't even married to her. And it just, can you it, believe it just it? blew apart mm, my whole uh, conception of myself and God and reality. And come on, man. Yeah. We've all got flesh nature. It's no big deal.
1: That's, it's not that's, a big
0: deal to Paul. It's not a big deal to us.
1: That's what your flesh wants. That's that's how it is. It's, it, there's nothing righteous about it.
0: That's t- totally right. And as you – it's a weird somewhat counterintuitive thing sometimes with the Bible of really the more you get into it and the more you kind of – you see the details, you see, you see the big picture – all that stuff, the more free you feel on it.
2: Yeah, man. All right.
0: If it's when you just look at the, at the service and go, uh, oh, spirit and flesh. I have flesh. I have flesh. Do I have enough spirit? Uh, uh. And once you look at it and what he's actually saying, that's the real foundation we want to get going from. So no, n- there's definitely no such thing as a dumb question on this show. And especially on Bible stuff, there's no, nothing so basic you that you should be embarrassed to ask it. All right. So move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. And it says, first of all, I love your podcast. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Um, some people would say thank you. Some people talk about how we love you back. Glenn just confirms that you had the proper reaction. That's good. noted. <laughs> you guys are so authentic and so hilarious. Correct. There you go. My question is the following: I was recently engaged and broke up and broken up with about six months ago. Mm. As a 28 year old woman, I was very much ready to get married and have kids. I feel like I'm ready to date again. Is it okay to use online dating? Is this a way of not trusting God? Should I embrace my season of singleness and no. not pursue dating? There you go. I I, I kind of thought Glenn was going to jump in on the no with the not trusting God thing, but he was saving it. And not pursue dating until someone comes my way. How do you know if you're meant to be single forever? No. Well, Glenn, you seem to have opinions. Why don't you start us off?
1: Uh, look, well, first of all, uh, being engaged and going through a breakup in, in the midst of that is incredibly tough and i i think uh if you're at a place where you're ready to date again do not let anything knock you off your square on that i mean
0: well just to add to that um it's a perfectly normal thought to be in an engagement or even a long-term relationship and have that break off and think, maybe I'm just not meant for relationships. That's a thought everybody has. Sure. It sure. Yeah. Having that thought doesn't actually mean anything about you in relationships.
1: Absolutely. Well, and it's, it's perfectly natural to, to say, you know, uh, I, I need a couple of months to regroup here and all that. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but if you're ready to date again, don't let any other anything you know, um, I, you know. Let's maybe take it from this perspective. Christians are very concerned about what's the wrong way to date. Sure, that's there's a lot of I think a lot of the questions we get are centered around. There's got to be some doom or danger or horrible, 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 horrible way of dating. Full of sinful sinfulness. Sure, that they are very, very close to, and very likely to end up I getting. Totally, to. I couldn't agree more. You know what you did. Yeah,
3: and so does God. <laughs>
1: you know, here's the thing, it, and we're just going to say this, and let's all get on. We're all going to start on the same page. Even the legalistic people, we're all going to start on the same page here. Do not have sex with someone you're not married to. That's an important tip on healthy Christian dating. (laughs) Do not have sex with someone you're not married to.
0: If you've done that, going forward, don't do that anymore.
1: Then stop. Sure. And then don't do it. Maybe marry the person. And then do it. Then do a lot of it, if you like. And you should, because you will. But here's what I'm saying is. (laughs) That's um, also a top tip. uh, Here's a good thing to do. Um, pray together, sure. Uh, ask the Lord what He might want to do with this relationship, sure. Encourage one another, uplift one another, nurture one another. You're kind of supposed to be doing these things as a Christian anyway with people in your life. Absolutely. So pray, pretty, pretty simple and basic stuff. Beyond that, there's no really horrible, horrible way to do this. Um, uh, casting a wide net and then very carefully sorting through a large number of potential people is the perfect way of handling your situation. Uh what we see other people doing is casting a very narrow net and then taking whoever comes along because now we're desperate. Right. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Uh so the I, I but s- somewhere in the brain is if I meet a lot of men and talk to a lot of men about dating and whatever that must be getting me towards next step i uh, down that road is i'm 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 going down by the docks and saying hey sailor you want, want a good time or something this is and also it's a slippery slope Absolutely. it's a slippery slope to the 1940s so, uh, also to the 1940s and yes. well
0: to gangster movies from the 1940s yeah, not the actual that. 1940s
1: right so um, so you know we had to get ourselves oriented um, uh, to that no you're not meant to be single forever uh, none of you are just none of you there's one in a million of you, not you. So that's it. Just play the odds. Just that's it. It's not you. Um, uh, and uh, real quick, and I'll send it around to these other guys this maybe I should just wait for a man. I super love how we're taking 40 years of feminism and just throwing that right out the window because we're chicken. Yeah. But, uh, 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 Let's not do that if you see a guy and you like a guy and he loves Jesus and you think he's a good dude, make a move make a move because we've 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 broken dating, and this is this is the only way to fix it. Everybody find someone that you think is cute that you are physically attracted to that's part of sure. the process. Hello, who loves Jesus and go and find them and say. I'd like to get coffee and visit and talk sure. and get to know one another.
0: Sure, absolutely. Or forced couples skate. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming. Don't make us resort to that, y- people.
1: Y- either you handle it or we handle it for you.
0: <laughs> Jed, I'd like you to pick us up on this. There's uh, one a particular story in this person, one particular aspect of this person's story, which it may, that is n- will not be universally applicable. It's in the specific, but I think in the broader range, it might be. And some of this is, as I mentioned, kind of in the intro, and I had a bad experience in a relationship. Right. Therefore, the only logical conclusion is that I should not have relationships. Yeah. Like when I had that bad taco that one time, and now I don't eat anymore. Yeah. So, but there, there is stuff to be learned when something goes bad. Yeah. But the thing that is rarely learned is build a bunker and never come out again. Yeah. So how do we find that balance between I'm ready to move on, but I do have experiences that need to be kind of folded into what we're doing going forward.
3: That's a great question, man. I think, um, I think the key here is getting rid of shame. I think the, the key here is um, getting rid of shame that I want to be in a relationship, getting rid of shame that I was in a relationship and it didn't work out. Uh, I'm not going to feel bad about either of those things. I'm, I'm going to embrace I was in a relationship, it didn't work out. I do want to be in a relationship in the future. What I want is wisdom. That's the thing that I'm looking for. I'm looking for insight and perspective. So my wife was in the military. Um, If you listen to this podcast, you may know that. Uh, And she tells me that in the military, after every major mission or action, whether it went well or it went terrible, it doesn't make any difference, they do a thing called an after-action review to examine what did work, what didn't work, and they go through the whole thing in detail because they want to know what do we do differently in the future. You know, when we do this, if we got if we took this hill, we're going to have to take more hills in the future. Sure. So we want to know what do we make sure to do more of and what do we make sure to do less of. This is very, very important. The lives of Christians should actually work the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, big things, and, and really little things too, but particularly big things in your life, we really want to dig in and say, How did this come to pass? What worked here? What didn't work here? What would I like to do more of in the future? What would I like to do less of in the future? I'd strongly encourage you, as you reflect on the end of this previous relationship, to say, I'm going to do that after-action review here. I'm going to do that AAR here. I'm not going to be ashamed of the fact that this ended. I'm not going to be ashamed of any part of it. But I'm going to look at it with my eyes open. And say, what actually happened here? What was good about it? What was bad about it? What were warning signs about it I want to pay attention to in the future? What are things in the future I'm not willing to put up with? And I'd really encourage you to do that with a pastor or a counselor or a mentor. Um, you know, part of a good AAR, part of a good debrief is having the perspective of someone who can be objective about that situation, yeah. someone who can reflect back to you. You know, these parts all sound fine. These parts sound a little bit out of bounds. You know, let's let's look you know closely at those.
0: Maybe next time, not bright orange, a nice camo.
3: <laughs> that may be why they saw you coming. Um, Just a thought.
0: And here's why. And again, I want to be
3: totally crystal clear. None of this is about shame. To the contrary, this is about saying, can we leverage what we've been through to have a stronger, better relationship yes. in the future? Yes. It's, it's not about living in the past. It's not about, you know, uh, you know well, I guess I know what I should feel bad about from the past. It's about saying, I want to have a strong relationship in the future. I want to have a healthy relationship in the future. And good and bad, my experiences in the past can help me understand how to have that. Right. They can help me understand how to live into that, how to have that. So don't cheat yourself. That's yes. that's the key thing that, that we're saying here is leverage what you've been through to put yourself in a stronger position to take yeah. those active steps Glenn's describing of getting on eHarmony, getting on those Christian dating websites, asking a guy out, and doing that in a healthy, productive, active, forward-looking way.
0: Yeah. That's absolutely right. And uh, up to this point, we haven't—actually, I'm glad Jed did towards the end there—we haven't uh, directly addressed the uh, question you asked about online dating um, because— Yes, it's good. You should do it. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. You should not do it. But Lee, Lee maybe if, as we close this out, get gets to pick up on one of the, um, I think one of the stigmas that is left about online dating. There's a lot of stigma that it has had for a long time that is pretty much gone. But one of the stigmas is left is that it is an inherent lowering of standards. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, the real way it should work is I should see someone and it's not shallow. If I just yeah. look at a picture, that's shallow. But if I see someone across a room and decide that i want to get to know them more that's like way more personal than a picture after which i write them because these are the kind of crazy things people tell themselves to get out of dating
3: well the question they always ask is what are we what story are we going to tell our kids you're going to lie is what you're going to do which is the same thing that the people where their story is well we were in a crappy bar and both three sheets to the wind and saw each other yeah
0: they lie too right sure Every pastor you've ever heard stand up in front of people and tell the story about how they met their spouse and fell in love—they're lying. Yeah, you can lie too. It's what everyone does. It's okay. <laughs> Somebody's going to take that quote out of context, and I'm going to get indicted for something. But the main point is this idea of um, online dating is inherently desperate and is inherently a kind of right. "I take whatever weirdo I can get." And that's that's <clears throat> not true. Online dating is good, and standards are good, and you can have both, right?
2: Yeah, and I think I because think, one particular detail on your situation, this idea of, well, now I'm 28 and I didn't get this I, – I didn't get what I wanted. And so there's there's an instinct. There's going to be an instinct to just get this sorted as quickly as possible. Just yeah. take whatever comes along. If, if anybody responds in any way, then I, I'm – I'm I am no longer allowed to have, you know, standards. And 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 the counterintuitive thing is I actually think you should get more greedy with the Lord and your prayer life and all that kind of stuff of exactly what kind of man you want to be with exactly yeah. what kind of, what kind of uh, dating relationship you want. I think, I think what these guys are saying is exactly right. If you see some guy you think he's cute, ask him out, go make the move, go out on dates, uh, you know, do the e-harmony thing, get, you know, get some of these situations going on these dates, but be stringent about, um, you know, that, that you are respected, that you are cared for, that you are cherished. Don't lower your standards, even though it feels like, well, now, now I'm this, you know, I'm, I'm at, you know, such and such age that does not matter at all. And you need to be even more, even you, you need to believe about yourself that God has an amazing plan for me. He has somebody, he has somebody in mind for me to care for me, to take care of me, to love me well, to understand who I am, to help me, to encourage me in my walk with the Lord, that we can serve Jesus together. He's got something awesome planned for me because my father loves me and you need to start there so that we're not going to you know just bottom out on the standards and just take whatever comes along just because of your age or whatever because of or because you were engaged and since you know now since i was engaged and now i'm starting back at zero i just need to just grab hold of whatever's there and that is not the case you need to be even greedier than than, than ever before in your prayer life and 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 in your standards on this stuff
0: I think it's a fantastic point. It really points to a big part of where we want to land on this, which is there's never anything wrong with taking an active part in your own life. Amen. Yeah, there's nothing unchristian. I think part of what screws up a lot of people in the um, long and storied process of, as Glenn puts it, Christians breaking dating, there's this idea that really the only way it counts is if there's no way this would have happened short of God himself (laughs) smashing us into a room together. Right. It is the eternal meet cute. Yes. So there's there's this weird kind of thing that gets buried into the culture, again, because everybody who writes a Christian book or speaks at a conference has some wacky story about, well, I never would have expected the last place you expect to meet your wife Is at a singles group at a big church that you specifically go to to meet someone? Isn't that crazy, guys? That's wild. It's wacky, but so part of that breeds into thing that everything else is cheating. Yeah, right. And online dating is the ultimate cheating in cheating the system. In that, what I'm just going to like make a profile that says I want to meet a nice Christian guy to marry just because I want to meet a nice Christian guy to marry. That's crazy. I mean the only thing I want out of church or volunteer opportunities is to walk into a room with a bunch of christian people of the opposite sex who want to be in relationships and it's driving me crazy that no one at my church wants to be in a relationship but I'm not going to go to the place where all the christian people who want to be in a relationship are yeah that's pure insanity so it's this weird idea that the the that dating should have an uh a miraculous element yeah. Right, that you right, almost right. S- the way I'll know it's real is if I sabotage every aspect of it and God makes me do it anyway. Yeah. yeah. And that's when we say these things out loud, it's a little crazy, but I think if you dig deep enough, you're going to find that some level of that is involved in your reluctance to online dating. And Jed, one more thing,
3: one more quick thing. And, and something you brought up and, and we want to be clear on this Um there's that sense of, you know, you know nobody, they're not interested in dating and nobody's making a move. All of these people, you know, young adults, whatnot, they talk to us off to the side and tell us, you know, what they're actually thinking. Yeah. All of them, all of them, all of them, every single one of them, without exception, all of them are desperate to be in a dating
2: relationship. All you know, of them.
3: Every single one of them, no all
2: exceptions. Them. All of them. It's if, every text message I get is if, about this if yeah. you
3: so you know the person who wrote this question is a gal so you know if she went to a guy but same thing if you're a guy and you went to a gal if you say hey you're neat let me buy a cup of coffee let's hang out don't worry about the words they say in response their oh, inner oh, dialogue oh,
0: oh, oh, coffee
3: ode to joy is playing inside you don't
1: have any competition i mean just no go and one ask.
3: else is is trying that but please understand Nearly, it's so calm. You say, I want to be in a relationship, and I feel like I must be such a weirdo, because everybody else, they just seem to be content with their singleness. No, they're not. No, they are this not. This is killing everyone. Yes. Every single person, and no one is taking a step set. So here's, you know what we're going to do? We're going to break some ground. I'm going to guilt you for the good. Wow.
0: Not only. Seems like a dangerous road to go down, but okay. Not only should Building you. The kingdom using the devil's tools here. Not only
3: should you take action for your own sake, which you really should, you should take an active role in managing your life. It's a responsible thing to do and go find a man and ask him out. You should do that for the sake of everyone else and setting a good example for all of them. Please, for the sake of your friends, go do that because no one else is setting an example for them. And you know what? If you don't do that, I think you should feel bad.
0: Sure. You know what? I just again. I, before uh, Je- Glenn, I want to hear this, yeah. Jed slipping into the legalistic Jed voice without <laughs> announcing that he's going to do the character yeah, still yeah, we, freaks we me out. We
1: can't have that. I agree. I couldn't agree Worlds more. Worlds are colliding. Here, here's my solution. I'm semi-serious about this. You and your friend each set each other up on a blind date. Sure. And Whatever you just works. You got to take whoever they stick you with. That's what mm. I'm talking sure. about. That gets think, it done, I think man. we it just wrote a done. Reese
0: Witherspoon movie. I think we did. Boom. Well, I, I will say before we move on, a very very short anecdote to prove uh, Jed's point there. Um, I have been at separate um, suburban church events. We have a large kind of mega church, a kind of young adult group with both Glenn and Jed in recent weeks. And they're talking to young people about kind of the ministry and the general. And they're saying... Oh yeah, we have, we do the, these are people who know of our kind of street ministry. They come help us out at the bridge and they're saying, well, we do that. And then there's uh, some other stuff we do with the the online, we do the blogs, we do the podcast and you get a very kind of polite and interested. Oh, well that's neat that you have a thing to do to the side and people around the world and people visit and that's great. And sometimes there's a bit of an awkward transition while you try to explain what podcasting is. Right. It's like a radio show on your phone, right. but they guess okay. Well, we get questions about faith and da 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 da, and of course we get dating questions. And then the body posture changes, really. And before they can catch themselves, they go dating advice, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: And then they try to backtrack and go. Well, I'm sure a lot of people, sure, other the, people could use that. Do you want to? Do you want to come speak at our our dating panel at the church? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, trust us. Uh, there's a very odd odd niche in the Christian world that all four of us fill, which is where people tell us the things they're embarrassed to tell respectable people. (laughs) Yeah. And from that, we know that again, to quote the man himself, Glenn Fitzgerald, you all want to.
1: Yeah. That's right.
0: All right. So let us, let that be. An encouraging, if slightly creepy last word on that. And we move on to our final question here. It came in anonymously our Tumblr, Tumblr inbox, and it says, "As part of my job, I often tell my clients to explore different religions or spirituality as a process of healing." Is that a quote-unquote unChristian thing to do? I understand not not everyone is going to be a Christian, and I get happy for my clients when they experience spirituality, even if that's not necessarily through Christianity. Is that a sin? And Jed, why don't you start us off?
3: Uh, the short answer to your question is no, it's not a sin. Yep. Um, so we can get that out of the way. Uh, the second thing is um, appreciate uh, the work that you do to help people, and as a fellow person in the helping profession – Um, uh, there's a lot of stuff that you end up doing to help people that people that aren't involved in helping people uh, would get up in arms about and say, well, I don't know, that doesn't seem according to the good book to me and if you're not involved in helping people, you don't know anything about it.
0: All right. the entirely theoretical and imaginary people I help, I do it different.
3: Exactly right. There's yeah. a lot of armchair quarterbacking that goes on with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what your people are dealing with. You know what they need. You also know what the rules and regulations of your workplace allows. Yes. Right. Um, That's big thing uh, there. You're, you're dealing with what you're dealing with. We got your back. You know. You know. Um, uh, you know where your heart's at, uh, and you know I'm sure it's in the right place. It's important with this kind of stuff to consider the goal of the institution in question. Um, You know, you're saying this is a workplace thing for you. A really good example of this is Alcoholics Anonymous, which is a wonderful organization, do incredible work. Uh, We are huge fans of AA. But something about AA that we want to be clear on is they exist to promote sobriety, not Christianity. Right. Um, That's a very important distinction. You've probably heard before of the idea of 12 steps, you know, 12-step recovery. And A is actually, they're the people that originated that concept. Mm -hmm. So, in A, there's 12 steps to sobriety. Um, I want to read you step three, though, and this comes actually from their literature. This is a quote. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him, end quote. Well, that's the kind of thing that can and actually does piss off a lot of Christians. Because what what, what yeah. God is God. He's God's not dead, God's alive, God's truth, the truth's not relatives. Pluralism. Exactly. Pluralism. You know? And
1: yet these exact same people have never led anyone to the Lord or, or done anything for the kingdom. Never and come within
0: a million miles of it. If someone with a dr- with a drinking problem showed up to their church, they would shun them out. Right.
3: Yes. Yes. <laughs> They, they look at this idea of God as we understand him, and they're deeply offended by it. We may want to note, all of us worship God as we understand him. Hello. All Hello. of us.
1: I, I, I actually like that phrase, you know, the, the God of my understanding. You know, Absolutely. You know. But here's the thing about it. A, in that moment, they
3: are intentionally being not Christian. They are intentionally being pluralistic. That actually is true. There's a reason for it. That inclusiveness helps many more people achieve sobriety than would otherwise be possible through something that says, no, it must be Jesus, or you can't come to this program, the end, full stop. Their goal is sobriety. Their goal is to uh, promote sobriety, help people gain sobriety, their goal, even though it was founded by two Christian dudes, their goal is not to promote Christianity. They're, and there's nothing sinful about that. Right, Sobriety right. is a good and important thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. There are many, many people who are not Christian. There are many people who are agnostic or atheistic who have gone through AA and have uh, who are sober today because of that program. Um, that's a boon not only to them, but to their family and to their friends right. and society as, as a whole. And again, this is the key thing uh, that I want to close on is... The only people that are going to give you grief on this are people that are not doing anything to help anybody. Um, they're people that are armchair quarterbacking how you help other people. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are in the game, people who are involved in the helps professions, know how this stuff goes. Yeah. Um, you know, there's rules and regulations wherever you work. You got to abide by those. You can help people where they're at. They may not be ready um, to. Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, make a faith decision for Jesus at this point—that's okay. You know, folks that actually sponsor in so in AA, the equivalent of being a mentor, they call being a sponsor. You know, I've heard them talk about. You know, I got a guy that's being belligerent. He's like, oh, I don't know, and higher power. When I go, you know what? You root for the Cubs, right? Yeah, yeah. make the Cubs your higher power. Right. As long as we can do that and move forward, right. And the guy says, "Okay, I can, I can do that. We're moving forward. That's right. that's the thing that matters. It's a journey. You're on the journey." You'll get, you'll get where you're going, but we, we love you. We believe in you. We've got your back.
0: Yes, absolutely. A couple of notes on that. Um, We we cannot response responsibly advise you to make the Cubs your higher power. That's true. That's, just there's a lot of evidence that's going to end in heartbreak, um, but one of the things I think uh, Jed brings up and it's a very important thing is that there's another category of people in AA. And actually, if you heard our interview with uh, Jim Sonnefeld, who is the drummer for and the Blowfish, he actually mentioned this part of his story of people who go to AA saying, "Man, I'm about all that Jesus stuff, but I need to stop drinking and then become Christian." Yes, because right. turns out it works. I think one of the fears when people who are in this kind of situation is, you know, I'm going to let this person jump onto insert whatever faith belief system yoga whatever it is here and they're just then i i accidentally made one of them
3: yeah i made a buddhist (laughs) yeah
0: so i and i'm like complicit in that and the interesting thing about that is you don't have to worry about things that aren't true just becoming true for this person yeah part of part of kind of a, a and we've all been doing this for a long time so part of a kind of more mature state of people who've seen this whole journey is that Everybody starts out trying to do something else. Yeah, and a lot of those people end up at yeah. Jesus, and that's not because yeah. someone's strong on there. It's because that's kind of part of the process. Maybe you can speak to that, Lee.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm. I, I completely uh, agree with where Jed's going on this and, and what Matt's saying. And, and to that point, as as a pastor, especially a pastor to uh, to to young people, I I do this. I, I give this same kind of advice all the time. I mean, you know, I'll be in a conversation with um, with a kid who. Uh, you know they they feel like they want to change their life. They feel like they want to take a different direction. They've been doing all this, you know, all this partying, all you know, a lot of you know, drugs and drinking, a lot of you know, a lot of stuff. And it's they've gotten in some trouble, and they want to turn this around. And then we start talking about Jesus. And then before you know it, they're like, you know what, I I think I want to keep going with the partying and stuff. And I always tell them, go right ahead, go right ahead. And uh, hey, let's let's make sure you have my number in your phone. Yeah and <laughs> right. uh, and and I always tell him look uh, just as soon as that stops working give me a call and in the same way, as, just as Matt's saying, I love the way Matt said that, that something that's not true isn't going to start being true just for this person. The thing is, is that for these people, that, for, this, you know, for this kid that decides, I'm, I'm going I'm to stick with the partying thing for a while. It's not going to work. Yep. It's never right. going to make them happy. It's never going to satisfy them. It's never going to fulfill them or anything like that. They, they, they are interested right now in just having some fun. But in the same way that you can't just walk off a building and float, because gravity is a true and real thing that God made in this world, he set up the, the world in the same way in the spiritual realm. I mean, you know, if, if somebody says, I'm going to go try this thing, well, go right ahead. I mean, the Lord is not, you know, he, he is not punkable on this stuff. I mean, yeah. he will draw him, he will draw people to himself. He will draw people to himself through crazy ways. I mean, this, the stories that you hear about how people come to Jesus, but you know, the important thing is, as, as Glenn has said before, is that you're, you know, that you, we're playing a long game with people. This is a, we're setting a ministry time bomb. I, I want you to know that no matter what happens no matter what you do, you can always come back and talk to me. If this thing ever stops working, if you don't have peace in that, if you don't, if if, if you try to the, the Buddhism thing and you're not getting any more sleep and you still feel the same stress at work and stuff like that, tell you what, let's, outside of a counseling appointment, uh, I'd love to have a conversation about kind of what uh what I've found that's been working for me and you can give me a call if you'd like to it's totally up to you and and they they might want to have that conversation outside of the, your professional environment but you can know that it, exactly as Matt said it's not that it's not that the kid who loves partying is just gonna decide when he's you know when he's 70 years old like you guys I spent my entire life partying and it was awesome <laughs> <laughs> you know nobody has ever said this and so there's gonna come a point where it's not going to be satisfying, it's going. It's not going to be fulfilling, and you may be the person that gets to talk to them about the Lord in the end.
0: Oh, that's a fantastic point, I, Glenn. If you can take us out on this, there's so we we're acknowledging that there are very possibly, and this person is clearly some kind of counselor, likely um, regulations from the state, a school board, whatever. That's no proselytizing, right? And by the way, we support those ideas Absolutely. because that's how freedom works. Yeah, yeah. but. One of the things is um, if you can have an influence, an influence towards Christianity is great, but part of what we're looking at is an influence towards Christianity is you having a personal faith. Exactly. A lot of ways, the more personal you can have someone make their context of faith, the more you can get that towards does this help your life or not, that's actually going to get them to Jesus a lot quicker.
1: Absolutely right. I I think the part of this is I don't uh, – uh I don't know how to talk about Christianity and still have a sense of whatever you want man kind of thing to it um but uh uh by focusing on this being a personal relationship you get all of that you know yeah. I, I agree with everything these guys are saying I think they've really laid it out well that 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 almost certainly you have a certain work restriction Uh, personally, if I had a work restriction, I would say I really want to encourage you towards developing a spiritual life and having a higher power and all of that. You may be interested in what I'm on. What I'm on is the good one. Yep. Then I would point to my Bible and say, you know. That's the good one. That's the good one. But whatever you want to do is good. But whatever you want to do is fine. I'm on the good one. Because I like to rig it. (laughs) I like to stack the deck. I like to push it and tell it and how it, you know. Also,
0: Glenn has been working, you may pick up on this, Glenn has been working for himself for quite a long time.
1: Yeah. Not a big so, fan of rules and regulations. Exactly. So uh, I might do that, but, it, it, you know, uh, almost certainly there is some sort of restriction that's not going to allow you to, to, to proselytize in that situation. Um, but it's 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 important to recognize uh, that, um uh, Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Uh, and when he says he's the way, he, that, that, in Greek that word is hodos, and it means path. It means yeah. exactly what you think. It, it, a, a, uh, uh, a road, so to speak, that leads from A to B. Uh, uh, and, and so we would say there's one path, there's one road, and Jesus is that path to God. But that ignores the fact that we all have many, as you guys were talking about, many different journeys to that path. To get on that path. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. So that takes us back to this being personal. That takes it back to you're exploring these things, you're looking to find out, um, you're going to come to that point of faith, you're going to come to that one true way, Differently, because everyone does, and it's a, And once you are on that path, yes, it's going to the same place for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. God is calling Jed to something different than He's calling me to. God speaks to Jed differently than he does to me because we're different people. We have Don't tell the Presbyterians. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, but um, uh, this means that there's a personal element to that, so that path is different in, in, in its feel. Mm-hmm. It, the direction, of course, is yeah. the same, but the journey is very unique and very personal, and the more personal it is, the better it is. Mm -hmm. I don't want Jed to try and walk my spiritual journey, my path. I want him to be on the same, you know, on the road to the same place, of course. But I don't want Jed to try and imitate the way I do what I do Mm -hmm. uh, in the sense of trying to, you know, kind of copy that, Try to have a, a, a cookie cutter of that. We see so much of that in the church. I see this guy walk, talk, and act like this, I'm going to walk, talk, and act just like him. So I've copied the externals, but I have no idea about the internal yeah. element of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm not living it internally. It's just an external right. act. We want to get away from that. So how do we do that? Well, it's it's got to be personal. It's got to be unique. It's got to be different. Mm-hmm. So all of that allows for a very hippy-dippy, hey, free-for-all, you do your thing, I do my thing. So I don't think we have to be concerned about that sense of, um, feeling like we're railroading them into you got to do it just one way.
0: I think that's absolutely right. I'm glad you brought up the verse about the way, the truth, and the life. I think that really gets to the heart of this issue, which is, as all these guys have said, if someone steps out and says, I, I'm going to start earnestly seeking the, the spiritual truth in the universe and my life and all that, well, if you, like we do and like you apparently do, believe that that is Jesus, then somebody who says, I'm going to start looking for that – that's that's entirely positive. Yes. Right. Now yeah. they may take some some uh slips and slides and some turns along the way. That's cool. If they're seeking the truth, they'll right, find it. I we believe they're going to get drawn close to Jesus. Now there's a lot of stuff a lot of stuff in the Bible about good seed and good soil, and a lot of ways that can happen here that and the other. But somebody starts on that down that path, that's a cause for celebration. That's sure. positive. There's just because they're not, you know, saves save sanctified and Holy Ghost filled on day one doesn't mean you're, you're pointing them in a bad path mm, alright right. so if you have a question for us say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridge as always we're going to take out a song here this is a rework of an old hymn by Lee it's a really great track it's take my life and let it be it comes to a lot of kind of trusting God things that we've been talking about in this episode we're going to take out that Thanks for listening. Just remember we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: My name is Professor Captain Quackers, and I'm a dirty communist transistor atheist, and I hope nobody tries to talk me out of my thesis that God is done. <laughs> 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 and C. <laughs>
3: Did we assign a first name?
1: No. Cornelius. Of Captain, course. Cornelius of course. Captain Cornelius Quackers. Captain Cornelius Quackers.
4: you <clears throat>